Of course, having a family is an enormous responsibility. But it is that preferential love for Judaism that allows the leader to learn empathy for others beyond one's inner family. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 37, Love, Loss, Presidents, and Priests. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. Let us speak of leadership, love, and mourning. A man by the name of Legrand Cannon describes meeting Abraham Lincoln while serving in the Union Army in 1862. Lincoln's young son had just tragically passed away, and Cannon recalls the president's sadness. He writes how in the midst of conversation, suddenly the president, quote, broke down in the most convulsive weeping. It was most grievous and distressing to see this great strong man give way to such emotion, and I was so sympathetically moved that I too broke down utterly. He sat there with his head bowed down on the table, and I quietly left the room, end quote. Did Lincoln's love for his son, his longing for his son, his mourning for his son, distract him at times? from his responsibilities as president? I am sure that it did. But did his intense love for his family make him not only a better human being, but also a better leader? I believe that it did. And when we study biblical leadership, we learn that the Bible does not ask its leaders to deny their personal loves. And indeed, Leviticus allows us to learn from its description of love and loss what love is really all about. Chapter 21 in Leviticus returns to the subject of the Kohanim, the priests that minister on behalf of Israel in the presence of God. While most Israelites are not forbidden from becoming impure, and therefore participating in a burial is a very great mitzvah indeed, the priests, the Kohanim, are sanctified for the sanctuary and must stand ever ready to serve in the sanctum. Therefore, they are forbidden from engaging in a burial. But Leviticus explicitly states an exception that when a Kohen, a priest, loses a family member close to them, then they are not only permitted but obligated to become impure. They are required not to delegate the burial to others, but rather when facing a loss to perform this great act of love themselves. Leviticus chapter 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say unto them, There shall be none defiled for the dead among his people except for his kin that is near to him. The Hebrew, ki im l'she'ero ha'karov Kohanim, priests, were required to show a specific mourning and love for their immediate family that they were not allowed to show for other Israelites. Forbidden to attend most funerals, the Torah not only allows them to participate in the burials of their family, it obligates them to do so. While the text speaks explicitly of immediate relatives by birth, the Talmud insists that absolutely included is one's wife, who is also one's kin that is near to him. And the priest, the Kohen, is obligated to openly mourn and engage in the burial of his spouse. Thus, the priest, the Kohen, is obligated to highlight his own love for family members when he loses them. In fact, for Maimonides, the obligation of any mourner to bury his or her relative is deduced from the obligation of the priests toward their family members. In other words, the Jewish priest or Kohen 
is a model of preferential love, a model of mourning, a model of intense connection to family members. Kohanim represent the people, but they are also intended to reflect a preferential love, a particular love, for their own immediate family. What this means is that for the Hebrew Bible, having a family, having a preferential love for particular people in one's life, can actually make one a more effective leader on the whole. Having exclusive loves enhances rather than detracts from one's love for others, from one's ability as a leader to live for others. Why is this so? Why is it so important that biblical leaders have familial, not only communal, concerns? Why is it vital that the Kohen highlight to the people his own profound familial connections? How does one make the case that the obligations of a husband, a father, a sibling, a child, to his family members, weighing on the mind of a Kohen, does not distract from the priest's relationship with God and man, but rather is an essential ingredient in these relationships? Insight on this matter can be found in an essay by the philosopher Julia Judish. Judish herself asks, How can a familial preferential love inspire a concern for others beyond one's inner circle, rather than detract from it? Citing a phrase from the theologian Gilbert Mylander, Judish argues that preferential love is a foundation from which one, in her words, builds up. As an example of how this would work, Judish provides the following story. Judish's grandmother, or Nani, as she was known, fell in love with Judish's grandfather at the age of 16, and over the five-year courtship that followed, they saw each other every day. As she writes, quote, Nani would meet my grandfather on a trolley car, and they would visit together as he journeyed from his day job to night school, where he was training to be a metallurgist, end quote. One night, while Judish's grandfather was in chemistry class, a beaker exploded, blinding him. It was only 10 days later that the couple learned that his sight would return. Judish recounts that during those days when the future of Judish's grandfather's sight was unknown, her grandmother, quote, vowed that when she was able, she would do something with her life to help the blind, end quote. Judish's grandfather recovered, and the couple married and raised a family. And in her spare time, Nani learned to read Braille and devoted much of the rest of her life to transcribing hundreds of books and to helping the blind in countless other ways. For Judish, the story is not merely a familial anecdote. It is ethically illustrative in a profound way. Here are her words, quote, I tell Nani's story for a purpose. I am sure that my grandmother, like everyone, always knew that blindness is a terrible thing. But when that accident blinded my grandfather, whom she loved, she felt that knowledge. She gained an understanding, a deep and real understanding, of how awful blindness can be because a person she loved became blind. That knowledge stayed with her and sustained her over 35 years of slow, laborious work. When she began to transcribe books into Braille, my grandfather had been recovered from that accident for years. Her work for the blind did not help him. It did not, in fact, help anyone she knew personally. Requests for Braille transcriptions would come from all over the country. Nonetheless, Because she loved, in a deep and committed way, a unique, particular person, because she felt his suffering, 
she came to understand how any person who is blind might feel, and that understanding made her want to work to relieve their suffering. End quote. Thus, loving particular people in a preferential way enhances our understanding of the needs of others. As Judith further writes, the fact that we care more about our family, quote, does not mean we are callous. In fact, the vulnerability of personal, special relationships can teach us, or simply bring us, to feel a general love for all people, end quote. Judaism thus expects its leaders to have personal, vulnerable, preferential loves. It has no celibate priests, but rather a kihuna kohanim, kohanes, that give us a priesthood that is perpetuated through family, perpetuated through marriage, perpetuated through children. The Bible is, of course, aware that having children, raising a family, requires an enormous amount of time that may take someone away from the responsibilities of leadership. One of my favorite jokes, which I saw somewhere and never forgot, describes the father taking his small son to the supermarket, and the child has a meltdown. The father is saying over and over in a soothing voice, All right, David. Let's keep calm, David. Let's not get upset, David. We'll be home with mommy soon, David. And a woman witnessing this comes over to the father and says, Sir, I want to say, I'm incredibly impressed with how patient you are with little David here. And the man looks at her and says, Madam, I'm David. So, of course, having a family is an enormous responsibility. But it is that preferential love for Judaism that allows the leader to learn empathy for others beyond one's inner family. With this in mind, let us study the high priest, drawing on our particular passage and on Leviticus 16, which we have previously seen. While Kohanim priests are obligated to go to their relatives' funerals, the high priest, who is always at the epicenter of the holy, cannot leave the temple or tabernacle. He alone is prohibited from becoming impure. Verse 10, And he that is the high priest among his brethren, upon whose head the anointing oil was poured, and that is consecrated to put on the garments, shall not uncover his head nor rend his clothes. Neither shall he go into any dead body nor defile himself for his father or for his mother. Neither shall he go out of the sanctuary nor profane the sanctuary of his God. For the crown of the anointing oil of his God is upon him. I am the Lord. And yet, while the high priest cannot engage in family burial, he too is called to highlight the joining of preferential love with his service to all Israel. Thus, the Mishnah insists that the high priest who represented the entire Jewish people in the temple on Yom Kippur and asked for atonement on his people's behalf must be married in order to qualify for this role. This, for the Talmud, is deduced from the verse regarding his Yom Kippur service in the Holy of Holies that we just recently studied. Leviticus 16, verse 17. And he shall make an atonement for himself and for his household and for all the congregation of Israel. A high priest without a household for the Talmud cannot, according to this verse, minister on the sacred day. Here, too, what is emphasized in what the high priest does on Yom Kippur is Judas's notion of building up. Barilan University professor Zev Magame relates in an article how he was once sitting in a restaurant in Tel Aviv when he heard of a plane crash in a faraway country in which hundreds of people died. Originally, he tells us, he continued with his meal unperturbed. He then paused and then thought to himself how he would feel if those killed were members of his own people. 
and he suddenly found himself without an appetite. Here is his reflection, quote, Preferential love is the most powerful love there is, the only truly motivating love there is. It is by means of that love, the special love we harbor for those close to us, that we learn how to begin to love others who are farther away. Genuine and galvanizing empathy for the other is acquired most effectively and lastingly through a process which involves, first and foremost, immersion in love of self, then of family, then of friends, then of community, and so on. It is via emotional analogy to these types of strong bond affections that one becomes capable of executing a sort of love leap, a hyperspace transference of the strength and immediacy of the feelings one retains for his favorite people, smack onto those who have no direct claim on such sentiments. If you don't love your own best of all, we said, you really have no idea what genuine love is. End quote. Magain is exactly right. We learn to empathize with others through loving those closest to us. We are called to engage in this love leap that he describes. And this applies to the high priest on the holiest day of the year as well. As we have seen, the Yom Kippur ritual centered in part on a bull brought by the high priest as an offering on behalf of himself, his family, and the larger priesthood, and also on the goat of Azazel, designated to bear the impurities of Israel away from the temple. As recounted in the Talmud, the high priest went through a series of confessions on that day. He began by standing over the bull, beseeching forgiveness for himself and his family. I quote the Avodah liturgy of Yom Kippur. And so he would say, I beg of you, O Lord, I have erred, been iniquitous, and willfully sinned before you, I and my household. I beg of you by your name, atone now for the errors, iniquities, and willful sins by which I have erred, been iniquitous, and willfully sinned before you, I and my household. This is his first confession. Then, after praying for his wife and children, the high priest offered a similarly lengthy confession and prayer over the bull on behalf of his fellow priests. In other words, on behalf of his cousins. Only after completing these would he go to the goat of Azazel and then turn to the sins of the entire nation. And this, according to the Avodah liturgy, is what he would say. I beg of you, O Lord, they have erred, been iniquitous, and willfully sinned before you, your people, the family of Israel. I beg of you by your name, atone now for the errors, iniquities, and willful sins by which the family of Israel have erred, been iniquitous, and willfully sinned before you. The order here is significant. The love leap that Magain mentions is precisely what the high priest performed and enacted as he moved from himself and his immediate family to his extended family, all the priests, and from there to confession on behalf of all Israel. This embodies a millennia-old testimony to the fundamental biblical idea that loving particular people in a preferential way is actually a step in understanding the needs of others. Later in the year of 1862, Abraham Lincoln wrote a letter to a young woman named Fanny McCullough, whose father, an old friend of the president's, had passed away. What is clear from this exquisite correspondence is how Lincoln's own experience with mourning fuels his empathy for the loss of others. Here is what Lincoln wrote. Dear Fanny, It is with deep grief that I learn of the death of your kind and brave father. 
and especially that it is affecting your young heart beyond what is common in such cases. In this sad world of ours, sorrow comes to all, and to the young it comes with bitterest agony because it takes them unawares. The older have learned to ever expect it. I am anxious to afford some alleviation of your present distress. Perfect relief is not possible, except with time. You cannot now realize that you will ever feel better. Is not this so? And yet, it is a mistake. You are sure to be happy again. To know this, which is certainly true, will make you some less miserable now. I have had experience enough to know what I say, and you need only to believe it to feel better at once. The memory of your dear father, instead of an agony, will yet be a sad, sweet feeling in your heart of a purer and holier sort than you have known before. Please present my kind regards to your afflicted mother, your sincere friend, A. Lincoln. Judaism is a faith whose figures embody preferential love, but who also empathized with others beyond their inner circle. Many of our greatest leaders were models of family and humanity. Leviticus is known to the rabbis as Torah Kohanim, the Torah of the priesthood. But these laws can teach all of us about what it means to love and to lead. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.